Um, this week was a very significant week for us as a nation. Before I even get into the word, I think, I think we need to just stop a minute and say, Nde? For those of you who were not in Ethiopia, this week, something significant happened. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Now, we thank God, uh, I haven't even said it yet, but um, our Prime Minister was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize 2019. The 100th, the 100th Nobel Peace Prize went to uh, our Prime Minister. And just, just so you know, I, I just... I think it's important that we just acknowledge that this is this is uh, this doesn't happen often in this part of the world in this continent. It's the first time uh, for our country to be bestowed this honor, and it's a uh, it's a celebration. You know, when we have a head of state or head of government, he represents us and we represent him. It's vice versa. You see, the principle of representation is actually spiritual. So when he gets awarded, the nation gets rewarded as well. Acknowledgement to him is acknowledgement to the nation. And, and um, the reason why I support the decision, number one, this could not happen if it was not for God. Number two, you have to remember where we were as a nation just barely over a year ago. All right? Uh, we were on the verge of something very, very serious. When, when our prime minister took power, uh, he, he took uh, uh, a very complicated situ situation. This nation is very difficult to govern. We are a very complicated people. You know, the, Abraham Lincoln was the one who says, you can please some people some of the time. You can please something, something, I forget. But you can't please all the people all the time. Now, you take that statement that he made in America a hundred-something years ago, and you multiply it by a thousand for Ethiopia. <laughs> we are complicated. The Bible says, are not you Ethiopians the same to me as the children of Israel? It's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. The children of Israel were so, so difficult to govern, stubborn in their heart, Always rebellion, always going their own way. You know, they're happy when they cross the Red Sea. They, they complain when they get to Mara. Happy, just complaining. They, 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 they're, they're very complicated and God bestows upon us the honor. Are not you Ethiopians? <laughs> it's not a compliment. In this country, you wouldn't, it's, a, it's a job you would not wish on your enemy. So to take that situation, when we went with the state of the nation, if you remember, it wasn't too long ago, we were in a state of emergency. We didn't know which way uh, things were going to go, where the plane was going to land. I remember I was even one place, somebody called me on the phone and says, Pastor, where are you? I said, I'm here, here, here. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there because of all the drama going on. And when I heard that, I remember my heart just sank. You know, just, Lord, the devil is a, a liar. I sat down. And right when I sat down, I remember the Spirit of God spoke to me. You know? And he says, I'll finish what I started. Come on, somebody. And I felt myself encouraged in the midst of the chaos. And uh, so I know there's a lot of work still to do. But for what God has done up to now, let's, let's just really give thanks to God.
Amém? You know, there are alternatives. Yeah. There, there could be, an, we could be sitting on the other end of a different story right now. So it's a blessing to be where we are right now. And for the remainder of the, his, his time in office and, and where our nation is going, we do our job as the people of God and we continue to pray. Amen. Amen. Um, and I don't know if, you, if you've come to Beza at all. You might have noticed. I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you did. But you might have noticed that the things that we have been declaring by way of confession every day, every Sunday since the beginning, is now being acknowledged by the world. Amen. Uh, in the beginning was not the prime minister. In the beginning was the word. Amen. So we continue to declare God's promises. We continue to declare what God has said. And uh, I'm, I, I believe when, when we came here to start this ministry, we did not come to do something great. We came to see something great. Because if God said he's going to do something, then it's not your responsibility. We've come just to see. Amen? Did you get that? And so we're here just front row seat watching what God is, is about to do. And I believe this is just the beginning. And, and we always say instant change on a national level is dangerous. Uh, because God can bless us, but, you know, if we don't have a, a mindset that's ready for change, a mindset that's workable with the things of God and for the, to handle and steward the blessing, the blessing can turn into a curse. Remember, Jesus blessed them with a boatload of fish, but then the boat began to sink and the nets began to break. They were not prepared for the blessing. Hallelujah. We're going to go to the Word at this time, and uh, today is a very special day on the calendar. Not only because Dr. Abby is now our Nobel recipient, Nobel Peace Prize recipient, but today is the first day, first day of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, this is the, the feast that is celebrated every year. It's one of the three major feasts of Israel. It starts today. We as a church, uh, we do our best to, to, to uh, give room in our schedule for this, this time and uh, I would like to, so today's word, I know Saleh has been working through this series. I really tried hard to make this word fit with what Saleh was doing. And, um, you know, it, it's tabernacles, people. Yeah, so, so if you find something that connects, you know, just say amen. And even if it doesn't connect, just say amen anyway. We'll, we'll work our way through this, all right? I want us to go to Le Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to start reading from verse number 33. Leviticus 23, verse 33. And we'll read to the end of the chapter. And then we're also going to look at uh, John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, if you want to put your finger there. Leviticus 23, 33. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins. And it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. 
It is the closing assembly, do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath, Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the freewill offerings you give to the Lord. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths, so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed feasts of the Lord. Now uh, also go with me uh, to John chapter 7. And I would like us to look at verse number 37 um, to 39. Jesus uh, Jesus is attending this very Feast of Tabernacles. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that, now, up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Praise the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you anoint my mouth to speak, not mine, but your words flow through me like a vessel. I pray you anoint the ear to hear, and I thank you in advance today that we leave different from the way that we came in, in Jesus' name, and everybody's head. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, the thing that I wanted us to see in verse 37, Leviticus 23, 37, it says, these are the Lord's appointed feasts. Okay? Um, in the Amarinya, it says it a little bit different. These are the days that are set aside uh, for you to celebrate the feast. Special days. And I just want to pay attention to that fact that this time, it's the day that God himself marked on the calendar. It's a big deal when God marks times and seasons. God is big. Uh, God created the whole universe. Come on, somebody. Can I start preaching now? God put the stars in their place. He ordered the sun to come up at the proper time and to go down at the proper time. Come on, somebody. Moon in their place. The climate and the planets all surrounding to create this ecosystem so that the seasons are perfectly aligned until now with the global warming issue, of course. For the rain to fall at the proper time, for the winds to blow at the proper time so that man could live in there. He put all this at the power of his word. That same God who commanded the heavens told his people, now this is what I've done with the heavens, but for you, these are your appointed feasts. You see what I'm saying? 
Somehow your celebrating at this time is connected to my great plan and great agenda. It's no small thing. So these days are no small times. I believe, I believe that these seasons, when God says, this is my days, they are unusual opportunities of heaven. We're like the, the portals are open. The elevator, you know, you press the elevator, but it does not open until it, it comes. But when it comes and when it opens, it's time. Yeah. Go in. Things changing. Things aligned. The portals are even, of heaven are open in these seasons. Not that God does not work in other seasons, but the volume is turned up on this season. And today is the first week, first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Today, today. Not this season, not this area, this address right here where I'm standing. Welcome to Feast of Tabernacles. In the Hebrew, it's called Sukkot. All right? So, so expect something like flood is coming or keep your eyes on the reapers or something that you've been believing. I believe this week is like something. Just for the record, our prime minister was recognized this week. Just in case. So the, it's not me that's saying this. God said, this is my time. This is the days of my calendar. We had the blessing of going to Israel a few, few years back, our Beza, our first ever uh, Israel trip. And we happened to go during the Feast of Tabernacles. Does God love me or does God love me? Hmm? And, and we, we were able to participate with the people of God. Come on, somebody. Their feast. Windows. Heaven. I, I'm not going to tell you what I did, but I did some serious kamikaze stuff. I said, me? Pastor Z in Israel during Tabernacles? In our language, we use this language. It's called Zaraf. Anyway, so this is the time of God. This is the time when God sets aside. So I wanted just to stop and just pay attention to what God was trying to say to us in this, in this time. These are God's seasons, God's days. Now, one of what God told his people, he said, For seven days, dwell in, in booths or tents for seven days, for your, because your fathers lived in tents when I brought them by the hand out of Egypt. All right. In other words, when you celebrate this week, you are not celebrating God's goodness in your life. You are celebrating God's goodness in the time of your fathers. Meaning that what God is doing here and now is directly connected to what God was doing then and there. And God is creating a link between the generations so that what we are doing is not independent of what God has done in the past. This is very important to God. Maybe it's not a big deal for you, but it is a big deal for God. All right? Uh, God's purpose in our life, it is completed not as a sprint. It is not completed as a marathon either. God's purpose in our lives is completed as a relay race. A relay race means that you need to, first of all, have ability as a runner, you have to have your, your stamina, but you also have to have this skill of receiving the baton. Because if you run without the baton, you are disqualified. All right? So a relay runner trains personally, but he also trains in because you cannot, your running is disqualified until you receive what was coming from before. Praise the Lord. So all of us God didn't see this is something I think ministry people need to learn now. This thing didn't start with you. 
All right? You are actually the beneficiary of somebody who prayed, someone who was in a tent somewhere, someone who ran before you, believed God for you, stretched for you, and you are only receiving what somebody else had been laboring for in the spirit. And at the same time, it doesn't finish with you either. You are preparing to pass on to somebody else so that God's kingdom agenda. See, that's why in the Bible, they have a long record of genealogies, sometimes chapters and chapters. Why? Because it's not started with you and it doesn't end with you. Are you following what I'm saying? And this is a big deal to God. And so he says, go to the tents and honor your fathers. Now, it's funny because if you remember the story, the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, they were the most rebellious people. In fact, God himself said, I'm going to destroy these people. I can't take it anymore. I've had it up to here. No more time out. This is completely. And he told Moses, let me get rid of them and let me start all over again with you. And it was, if you remember the story, it was Moses who said, no, God, please don't destroy them. All right. Please give them another chance because it's your reputation on the line. It's your name that they're carrying. And what will the nation say if they hear that God could bring them out, but he could not bring them in? And it's funny. God says, hmm. You know you're, you're right. <laughs> God, God is serious about his own name. But he, if it was up to him, he would have destroyed that rebellious people. Yet at the same time, he tells his people, remember that generation. Which tells me that honoring those who've gone before you, it's not about their performance. It is about the fact that whether they knew it or not, they were an instrument used by God to somehow bring you to where you are now. Honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you and that you will live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is a big deal to God. All right? So, so uh, uh, they do this every year since the time of Moses up to this very day. I Gurman? This is the time that God sets apart. And so for us, we also participate. Okay? We also celebrate. And, and if you remember in the past, we even had you know, some little ceremonies here. So we as a church, maybe you, you don't come from this church, but today you're a part of this church. We celebrate and honor the nation and the people of Israel. Okay. Some of you are happy. Some of you are not happy. Let me be clear. I am not talking about political Israel. I am talking about spiritual Israel. There's a difference. Even in the course, of, even in the time of the Bibles, we have kings who went crazy. It's not the first time. Okay? But it did not prevent God's agenda and God's covenant word from being fulfilled in that people. So we bless God's people. Amen. Uh, just for the record, the only reason you are here today in the house of God giving praise to Jesus is because of Israel. The Bible says that we were once a wild branch and we were engrafted into uh, the seed of Abraham. We are engrafted as a, as a wild shoot. We are engrafted into the, the vine which gives life. We are the recipients of the blessing of Abraham. I thought, like you, maybe I was recipients of the blessing of Abba. But that's a shortly misspelled, shorter spelling. It's the blessing of Abraham. All right, Jesus, our Savior, came from the line of Abraham, the line of David, Judah. Amen? And he fulfilled every word that was broken. Are you following what I'm saying? So, so we bless God's people. Amen? We go back to the tents and we say, thank God for God's people. Amen? Thank God for Israel. 
Okay, everybody say, thank God for Israel. Thank God for Israel. We are nothing without Israel, don't forget. All right, this is not a political statement. This is a spiritual statement. We are the offspring by faith, the children of Israel. All right, also, one of the things that we learned that in our tents, what we discovered is that, now particularly for us here in Ethiopia, we are the beneficiaries of a long and great spiritual legacy. The first nation after Israel to receive the gospel was Ethiopia. Did you know that? And all the Ethiopians said, Amen. Amen. All right. Now, now uh, since the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, uh, and, and with confirmed, with archaeological evidence supporting from the 4th century, 331 A.D., Ethiopia has been a Christian kingdom. And we thank God for the Ethiopian Orthodox Toado Church. This church has preserved a culture of a God-fearing uh, people. This church has gone a long way in preserving a spiritual legacy and identity. Our language is fused with the gospel. Did you realize that? There's not too many languages in the world that's fused with the things of God like Ethiopia. All right? Uh, uh, and so one of the things, that, the challenges that Ethiopian believers or non-Orthodox believers have is that we, we are very quick to cut off that long history because we have seen the light and we are now the, the, the redeemed of the Lord and we thank God. And so... We, we actually are cutting off the legacy that God had been preparing for a long time. But what I want us to correct is that God has always been working through the relay race, whether we realize it or not. And so we thank, now when I say this, I'm not saying that we celebrate the Ethiopian church to the exclusion of other church traditions all around the world. We honor every gospel tradition that has been passed down from anywhere. If it's gospel, it saves, it works. Amen? And we thank God for every tradition that has been passing on gospel from generation to generation. But not to the exclusion of our own. Amen? And that's what we've been doing for, for a long time. And that's not right. Because you know what we realized with Abba's generation and, and Sami's father's generation, uh, we, we realized this a few years ago. They were not evangelical when they received the Holy Spirit. They were actually orthodox believers when the Holy Spirit fell on them. Did you know that? No preacher, no evangelist, no missionary, no, you know how we have on TV, now stretch your hands on the screen and touch it. None of that didn't exist. Did you even have TV back then? No. Did you have vehicles, cars back then? We have? Okay. Just thinking someone transportation, you know. But, but the idea is that, okay, I said this to the earlier service. When the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus as his, uh, at his baptism, it came in the form of a specific animal. Who knows what that animal was? Yes, it's a dove. Now, if you notice doves, they are very particular about where they land. It's hard to catch them. They're sensitive. They don't land somewhere unless they're comfortable. You understand? Have you ever tried to catch? Have you ever caught? But generally, <laughs> doves are sensitive creatures. 
if they're not comfortable, they won't stay there. So when Jesus, the fact that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, uh, it is a sign that the Holy Spirit was saying, that's, that's good for me. I like that. Now, I thought it was interesting because when Jesus was fulfilling that ministry and the Holy Spirit was falling on him when he began his ministry, it's interesting because what Jesus was doing was actually reenacting the principles of tabernacle. Because if you remember, he came to John to be baptized. And John says, how could I baptize you? It is you who should baptize me and not I baptize you. And in a way, John was right because Jesus was greater than John. And in normal science, the greater baptizes or blesses the lesser. But Jesus says, no, let this be done now in order to fulfill all righteousness. And when John heard that, he consented. So what Jesus is saying that although I am greater than you, you came first. You see that? So when you acknowledge that which comes first, the Holy Spirit is comfortable. Hmm? And, and see, that means that if you are great today, no matter how great you are, it is a fact that you did not come first. The Holy Spirit is not comfortable with you celebrating your greatness. The Holy Spirit is comfortable when you celebrate that which has come first. Those who have gone before you. Your purpose is tied to a relay race. This did not start with you. It did not end with you. We honor that which has come, gone before us. This is how we honor God. Amen? Amen, amen? So, so we are indebted also to my father's generation and all the people who carried the gospel uh, across this nation and around the world from this place. We've talked about this quite a bit with Abba. I believe that when the Holy Spirit fell on that group of high school students at that time, that it was Orthodox believers that received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was comfortable. I, I believe that maybe it was God's purpose to set that church on fire and take the gospel to the ends of the world. But instead, you know, man always messes with God's plan. We got into a little bit of an argument with our fathers. And so the, 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 the two separated the Orthodox church, went that way. And the, the, the Pente Church, what's now called the Pente Church, went this way. And we've been, you know, like Eritrea and Ethiopia at Badma, you know, manning our positions across the border. Come on, somebody. But I believe that what God is doing now is he's waking us up to the fact that we are recipients of a great legacy. And, and you know, some of the details, some of you know about it, but God is bridging and, and causing a, a level of fellowship to come back with this church that, that God has uh, opened. Thank the Lord. I think there are some other qualified recipients for the Nobel Peace Prize. Amen. Because political, political uh, uh, division is difficult, but church division is worse. Yeah. I think Constantine says uh, um, fighting in the church is worse than war. And if you've been around long enough, you can say that's true. Everybody say, I told you, don't say amen for that. Um, and, and so we're, we're realizing now that we are, we are recipients of something great. So, so we thank God for all of this history. This is a season where we represent where we come from. And for everyone here that's in the Lord, understand that we are, we are indebted to somebody somewhere, somehow. And this is a week we, re, we, we, we take time to remember that and honor that legacy. Amen? Now... 
What I want to talk about a little bit was this time of uh, what I was talking about in John chapter 7 when Jesus came to the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles in the time, was Jesus, uh, time of Jesus was a little bit different from other times. Um, the, the time of Jesus, okay, Jesus celebrated tabernacles um, during the time of the second temple. The first temple was built by King Solomon. That temple was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians in five. 86 BC. And the, the, the prophecy was that after 70 years, the people would come back from captivity and rebuild the, 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 the temple. So the first temple was destroyed. 70 years later, that temple was rebuilt. The foundation was laid by this amazing man named Zerubbabel. Just for the record. All right. So he built the second temple. And the second temple became the point of reference. And in the time of Herod, when the Romans, the, the Babylonians, Persians, Medo-Persians, Greeks, Roman Empire came, all right, the Romans put in place to rule over that area a king named Herod. And Herod decided to just engage in this mass grand temple expansion. This was it about 20 years before Jesus was born. All right? So he went crazy. Like he built the grandest temple. Maybe he was competing with some Solomon. Maybe he was competing with our new building here. I don't know. But he went, he made something serious. The temple, the second temple with the renovations of King Herod, it covered one third of the city of Jerusalem, the whole compound. And it had all, I mean, it was like the point of reference for everybody. Meet you at this gate. Go to that wall, south side, and everything, that reference point, just like we use in Toto as reference point. Come on, somebody. The temple was the reference point for, for all of Jerusalem. And, and be, if you remember the story, there was such a thing as the temple tax. That's how he paid for the grand building. And if you remember, there was a time when Jesus was walking with his disciples, and they came and they saw the stones of the building, and the, the disciples told Jesus, look at these great stones, because the stones were great. The huge, big stones, each stone had uh, initials of Herod on it, which are still there. You can actually see it in Jerusalem if you want to go. All right? So it was a big deal. And, and because it was a big deal, that second temple period of, of renovation, it was a time when tabernacles was celebrated like it has never been celebrated since. All right? Because the grandeur of the temple combined with the... The, the, the fervor of the Messiah expectancy combined with the, the hatred that they had for the Roman Empire who, that was ruling over them. All this combined to cause them to celebrate tabernacles and all the feasts of Israel unlike any other time in their history and any time since. And I say any time since because in 70 AD that same temple was destroyed by the Romans and it has never been rebuilt since. So that 90 year period or so of Herod's temple was a time when the tabernacles was celebrated with great euphoria. Come on, somebody. It was like Liverpool were winning the Champions League every year. By the way. Okay, so it was a great celebration. Uh, once the temple was destroyed, the Jewish people were scattered throughout the earth until 1948. So all those years they celebrated tabernacles without the, the temple. So that 90-year period, they celebrated like they had not celebrated before. It was with intention. So if you remember, even throughout Jesus' life, him and his family would go three times a year to Jerusalem from Galilee, Nazareth. They would come and celebrate the Feast of Israel three times a year. Remember that? 
Jesus was 12 years old. He came with his whole family to the temple, remember? And he stayed behind in the temple, and he was amazing everybody with his wisdom. And they did this three, And so I, 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 I started to think, because when we went to Israel, I was doing some calculations. I discovered that if Jesus was living in Nazareth area, in Galilee, with his family, and they came to Jerusalem by foot, it would have taken maybe five days to seven days, let's say a week, one way, then one week of celebration in Jerusalem, then one week going back home. That's a lot of time, all right? And if you add the fact that in between Galilee and Judea was Samaria, and Jews and Samaritans hated each other, which means that when they were walking, they would not set foot within Samaria. They would walk all the way around to go, and all the way around, add at least another three, four, five days. All right? Now let's do some math here. If it takes three, 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 that's, that's a total of, uh, or seven days, seven days, that's a total of three, three weeks, right? For one, and if you do this three times a year, three times three is nine. That means nine out of, nine weeks out of 52 weeks of the year, they're involved in, in, in celebrating the festivals. That's a lot of time. Now, if you add in the Samaria factor as well, you're talking maybe 10, 11, 12, 12 weeks. So these people are doing nothing but planning, saving for their trips back and forth and back and forth. Are you following what I'm saying? Why is this important? Because this is the time when God said, this is my time. I've X'd this on the calendar so people would honor God like that. So it was partially honoring God, but it was also partially um, a bit of spite against the Romans to show them that we are Israel and you are Romans and we are expecting Messiah and we're going to show you it was never celebrated like this before. In my study, I realized that when they celebrated the Feast of, of Tabernacles, the command that God gave Moses was to go into the tents and to the booths and celebrate there for seven days. All right? But in addition to that, at the time when Jesus was growing up, all right, they added additional celebrations that the law did not require. One of which was the celebration of what they call the candelera, the celebration of light. They built huge 75 feet uh, lampstands, menorahs, in the courtyard of the temple. 75 feet, and they would light these lampstands at night, every night for the seven days. So that eyewitness account says that the light was so bright that you could not tell the night from the day in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. That's pretty serious. And also there was this water ceremony where the priests would go to the, the spring at the south side of the Temple Mount and they would pick up water and then they would go every day in the morning and then they would pour the water in specific ways on the altar as a way of thanking God for sending the rain because it's harvest time. And as a way of praying to God for the coming rains, it almost sounds like they're thanking God for the rains and water, fire. Now, God did not say bring water. But this was like the extra. And, and not only that, they would bring leafy branches and wave them before the Lord. Come on, somebody. And they would sing. And the Bible says, celebrate with great joy. So they were full of joy, fire water and they would sing this song the halal the jewish song the psalms of david psalm 113 to 118 they would sing the songs of david he is good and his mercy endures forever Zaraf, we're gonna show you romans that we are the people of god are you following? i'm trying to create a picture for you all right so there's branches there's he is good 
and his mercy endures forever. There's the fire. There's the water. There's the joy. And, you know, they're surrounded by Roman soldiers. You understand? It's a Roman colony. So the Romans are looking at them like this. And they're like, can you get the picture? So this is more than God's feast. This is a little bit of something added extra. Fire. Unnecessary, but fire. Water. Unnecessary, but water. They went all out. It's not been celebrated like this since. It was a point that they were trying to make. And it's funny, God was watching this whole program. And at 70 AD, God made provision for the destroying of the temple. <laughs> By the Romans who were watching the celebration. <laughs> but this was the world that Jesus was born into. That's what I'm trying to say. This was the world that Jesus lived in. It was at this period where the temple celebrations were at their highest. In the history of Israel, that Jesus was introduced on the scene. So, so if you notice the ministry of Jesus, everything that Jesus did in the ministry that he conducted, it was tied into these feasts. Because Jesus was crucified on the Passover, where they were celebrating the Passover lamb that brought them out of Egypt. At that time, Jesus was being crucified as the Passover lamb. Are you following what I'm saying? So he waited for the appointed time. It was God's appointed time to make that provision. 50 days later, the, the, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. All right? Jesus did not wait a day before Pentecost. It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Because Jesus is our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. 50 is jubilees. He is our liberator. But, but in the tabernacles, I thought it was interesting because the verse we just said, that it was at the Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus stood up on the last and greatest day of the feast, it says. Not the first day, not, in fact, Jesus just messed up tabernacles for good. Because in the middle of uh, John chapter 7, the Bible says that Jesus' brother says, aren't you going to go to the tabernacles, to the feast? Because anybody who wants to be made famous goes to the feast. And Jesus says, for you, any time is right. But for me, the time is not now. I don't go by your time, I go by my time. Amen. Right? So they went, but it's funny, it says that after they went, Jesus secretly went another way. Because it was his time, but he just didn't want them to know it. That's another message for another time. He works on his time. Unpredictable Jesus. But the Bible says, at the middle of the feast, Jesus stood up and began teaching in the temple. And then people wanted to seize him, but they could not because his time had not yet come. Everyone was talking not about the tents. God was talking about the booth. God was talking about Jesus. People say he's Messiah. If he's Messiah, how come they're not worshiping him? They're saying he's a thief. Well, if he's a thief or if he's a liar, false prophet, why aren't they arresting him? Because everyone was scared. The, the temple uh, uh, guards were sent to arrest him. They could not because it was not his time. It was a very confused time. Jesus messed up the feast to draw the attention from everybody, everything everybody was supposed to be celebrating to himself. And then on the last and greatest day of the feast. Now, remind you, the last and greatest day of the feast is just like the word says, it was the last and the greatest day of the feast. Whatever they had been doing for the last six days, on this last day, they did it. Like they normally, in the morning, they would take the water and pour it on the altar. They did it seven times on the last day. Come on, somebody. Zaraf. So you can imagine. Eh? Paint the picture again. Joy. Celebration. Water. Fire. Zaraf. 
the greatest day of the feast, the feast, the climax. And Jesus stands up in the midst of the greatest day of the feast and he says, if any, in a loud voice, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now I thought it was interesting because what Jesus was saying was something that was so contrary to what was going down. The picture is great celebration. And everybody's full of joy because they were supposed to celebrate with joy. And the, 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 the water is being poured, the fire is burning, everything is going crazy. And Jesus says, if any man thirsts, which tells me that you can be full of joy, but still be thirsty. And it tells me that you can be celebrating, but still be thirsty. It tells me you could be fulfilling the commandments and still be thirsty. And Jesus was not satisfied. God was not satisfied that his children just go through the ritual and the tradition. God's desire for his people, even as it is today, is that his people would be satisfied. That the thirst would be quenched. Because what good is it to celebrate the feast and still be thirsty inside? Are you following what I'm saying? And Jesus, he, he, he settles the issue. He says, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The Bible says that even in laughter, the soul can be full of sorrow. Have you been there before? <laughs> but inside, you're saying something completely different. I thank God that he's a God who sees not just the outside, but he also sees the inside. That he's concerned not just for what I'm doing, but how I'm feeling. That he's concerned that if I'm thirsty inside, he wants to fill the deepest desires and deepest longings of my heart. He's a personal God. Hallelujah. He's a personal God. We are happy if we fulfill the ceremony. But God is happy when we are satisfied. And I think when Jesus said this statement, he's targeting his people. He's saying, if you are doing this and still thirsty, you've missed the point. I did not come to give you a tradition. I did not come to give you a ritual. My point, the, the, the ritual, uh, it's to a specific end. And that end is your satisfaction. So if any man be thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. The source of water for the water ceremony comes from the, the, the spring at the south side of the Temple Mount. But the source for living water, hallelujah, it does not come from the spring. It comes from the belly. Out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me. Now put the two together. Whoever thirsts. Thirsts. Let me take what Jesus said 2,000 years ago and plant it right here, 2019 Nobel Peace Prize week. If you are celebrating today, but are still thirsty, okay? If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, the source for, believing, uh, for, for, for the water naturally is the, is the spring. The source for living water is believing in him. Believing in him equals quenched thirst. And then the Bible says, by this, Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. Mm. Up until that time, this Holy Spirit had not come. Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. The drink is the Holy Spirit. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit has been given to quench the thirst. To bring peace to the storm inside. To bring a settling of, 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 uh, of your issue that 
is not visible externally, but is very real to you inside. That's what Jesus was after. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. Jesus gives us a peace that passes understanding. In fact, what I realize is that every, every celebration, every appointed time finds its fulfillment in Him. And if we don't have Him and what He came to give us, we have been missing from what God has established from the very beginning. All of the ceremony was a, only a, a, in Amharic we say makoya. It was only a temporary holding to take us back to our original place, which, which what Jesus came to give us. And I would like to announce today to any man who thirsts, uh, Jesus is here today. And Jesus has come on assignment, not to watch you fulfill the ceremony of tabernacles, all right? But celebrating tabernacles is pointing to him, and he is pointing to the spirit, and the spirit is pointing to satisfaction. Today, if we are not satisfied, as we celebrate, let's make sure that the tank is full. Amen? Amen? If you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit and you just come up for the entertainment or the preaching, I would like to introduce you to the Holy Spirit today. Because Jesus came to give us a drink. Can we say amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Because without him, it's difficult. In fact, Jesus said, you cannot do anything without me. So in fact, he told the disciples, don't go anywhere. Wait until you are endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit is necessary not just for your assignment. The Holy Spirit is necessary for your satisfaction. The Holy Spirit is necessary for your relationship with God. Jesus was saying on the last day when everything was climax, climax, uh, came to a climax, he said, no, 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 this, this, this last and greatest day of the feast, it's not complete without your satisfaction. So if anyone is thirsty, let him come. Are you following what I'm saying? So today, if you belong to Jesus, but you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, welcome to the drink of living water today. So if you, you know, it's funny, thirst is such a personal thing. We cannot thirst corporately. We can celebrate a feast corporately, but thirst is personal. That means that satisfaction is also personal. Mm. Praise the Lord. May the Lord fill every heart today personally. May the Lord fill you with His Spirit to fulfill and overflowing today. Amen.